Welcome back, everyone, to the Not So Simply Left Fun podcast. We're your hosts, Sam and Liv, and today we have a very special guest on to talk to you about the C word and not the one you're thinking about. We are super stoked to have my longtime childhood friend on today. Welcome, Bailey. Hey, Sam and Liv. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, I'm super excited to share my story and what's been going on for the last year of my life. Thank you for coming and agreeing to chat with us today. We're so excited. So Bailey and I have known each other for a long time. How long would you say, Bailey? Oh, um, I don't know, like 10, 12 years. Yeah, we went to camp together when we were younger. So Which camp? I gotta know. Uh, the Canadian Adventure Camp. Yeah, I will forever be sending my children to camp as long as I'm alive. <laughs> I literally said that the other day. Like, I feel like my childhood would not be the same as it was without camp. Like, it made it. My summers were made every summer. Honestly, some of my best friends to this are all from camp. Like, you and a couple other people. Like, camp is life-changing, seriously. So Bailey and I went to camp every summer together for five or six years. And then last May, we actually decided to move in together. So we've been roommates for the last eight, nine months. So we've had um, some interesting life-changing events. Some trash men in our lives. True. (laughs) Trash. (laughs) And I think I want to ask, why is it that you had to move out early, Bailey? So... Uh, Right after Sam and I moved in together, like the beginning of July, I was on my way to Ottawa and going to see my doctor, ironically enough, and I found a lump in my neck. And I was like, ooh, that doesn't feel normal. Um, And after a couple months of doctors and ultrasounds and I had a biopsy in December, we discovered that I have stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma. If you don't know what that is, it is cancer. (laughs) So I had to move home to be with my family. And um, the whole process, you said that you were on your way back to Ottawa in July. How long did it take for you to find out that it was actually cancer? So I found the lump at the beginning of July I had three ultrasounds and some blood work, which all came back pretty basic, like nothing alarming, except this egg-sized lump in my neck. It was huge. And I had my biopsy in December. I got a half-assed result on January 9th, 2020. And then I got my full official results on January 22nd. So six, seven months before I got my actual diagnosis. In terms of like making a diagnosis, do you have any idea on the timeline of that? Yeah, so originally I was diagnosed with stage two cancer. So um, with lymphoma, basically the lymph nodes all in your chest cavity. So basically from your diaphragm up, that's considered like, like stage one, stage two. Anything below your diaphragm is stage three or four. So I got my diagnosis in January and then I did what they call a PET scan. After that, it showed that my cancer had progressed into my abdomen and my pelvis area. So there are some, you can't feel them or see them, but they're in there apparently. So I got my diagnosis January and I didn't start chemo until March. My doctors recommended I do a fertility treatment first. 
also got laid off from my job. 2020, it seriously can just, oh yeah, I'm done. <laughs> it can fuck off. It's okay. We swear on this podcast. I'm seriously <laughs> done. <laughs> now that we know a little bit about what you've experienced saying in this past year, how would you sum it up in like five words? Scary, uh, lonely, vulnerable, especially with all the COVID stuff going on. My anxiety has been crazy. Yeah. Uh, I went to the hospital today and I had to fear for my life. It's a scary place to be at the hospital, but if I don't go, like I could die, you know? So there's just a lot of negative emotions, unfortunately. I do try to find positives in every day or my situations. I love dark humor. That's just who I am <laughs> as <it>. a person. <laughs> but it does help. And something I've learned so far is if you are not laughing, you are crying. Well, what did you do basically when you were first diagnosed? Like, how did you communicate what was going on to your friends and family? Well, at first, like I said, I got a half-assed diagnosis. So my mom and dad were both with me when I went to my first doctor's appointment. So the first person I saw was my surgeon um, who did my biopsy in December. And honestly, I had such a bad experience with them and their whole clinic. Like their office staff were awful. They were so rude. And they actually forgot about me for 45 minutes on the day that I was supposed to find out if I had cancer or not. So that was super disheartening. Um, and basically I was in his office for five minutes and he's like, so you have to wait another two weeks for the oncologist in Sudbury to get a hold of you. So I had to wait another two weeks to get my full diagnosis. So which is so wild to me that it took that long for you to find out. Yeah, I was so angry. Like, to be honest, going into it, I kind of knew. Actually, I know a couple people who have had lymphoma. One of my friends, she finished treatment a year ago. And a friend of mine, her husband had it. And I had called her and I was like, hey, like, what were his symptoms and I told her everything of mine and she was like honestly I'm gonna be straight up with you like you 100% have lymphoma like that's exactly what it is so like I knew going into that doctor's appointment that 99.9% sure that that's what it was but it would have been nice just to not have such a savage doctor who was like yeah so this is kind of what it is see you later <laughs> yeah like so dismissive yeah so dismissive, like zero bedside manner whatsoever yeah, and I even remember before, one of your doctors was like, yeah, it could be mono. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, though, that's a super common, uh, I don't want to say misdiagnosis, but, like, almost, like, the best case scenario, it's is mono. You mono. Who you've been kissing. Literally no one, so. Okay, <laughs> I feel like on that note, we can jump right into sex life, sex drive <laughs> since diagnosis. Question mark, question mark. I had an IUD before all this started, and to be honest, I had no side effects. It helped my period a lot, but it made me not horny. <laughs> and this is something you realized after the fact, right? Yeah, really late, like probably like later in the year. Like I got my IUD put in last April, and like I didn't notice it till probably like October, November, like when all of this was really getting serious. So it honestly could be stress. Yeah. Hmm. Actually, so when I did my oncology appointment on the 22nd in Sudbury, one of the first couple things that they had said to me when we were talking about the chemotherapy that I'd be doing, they were like, so you're going to be extremely toxic, you know, like when you use the bathroom, close the lid of the toilet and flush twice. Um, like I always have to be washing my hands. Like I have to take my temperature a couple times a day. 
just in case I spike a fever. And then they were like, um, are you sexually active? And I was like, God, my mom is in the room. Can we not right now? Like, <laughs> Good thing your dad wasn't there. Thank God. And then I was like, like, no, I'm not currently having sex. <laughs> and they were like, okay, yeah, just like, you have to be super safe and like use extra protection where you can because you are going to be so toxic from the chemotherapy that we don't even recommend you have sex. So you could potentially burn a man's dick off with your highly toxic vagina question mark? Which I'd be totally okay with. (laughs) At me, bro. I will fuck all of you. So since then, um, you said you got your IUD out. Yes. To get it taken out because they wanted me to do the fertility treatments to preserve my eggs. So that was IVF. Yeah, so it wasn't IVF treatment. What I had, like the medicine that I had to take, it was just like as if I was going to do IVF, but we stopped at the egg retrieval. So they have my babies on ice right now. That's crazy. And I'm sure that that was quite the hormonal shift for you up and down throughout that. I have to be very straight up and honest with you because that's just who I am as a person. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It was the worst two and a half weeks of my life. Oh my gosh, which is just like so crazy to think about people who do IVF. They do it like multiple times. Yeah. Like, no, two weeks was enough for me and it totally solidified my decision that I don't want kids. Like, if that's what my body feels like after two weeks of hormones, imagine what nine months of it feels like. Like, I could not imagine. I cried like five times a day and I'm not a crier. It was intense. Like, just so weepy. Like, I was so teary. And also, it doesn't help that I'm petrified of needles and I had to give myself three needles in my stomach every day for two weeks on top of going in for blood work every two or three days to the clinic. So like my insides were just swollen and they hurt 10 times more than normal. And I was just sick of people touching me and poking me. And I was sick of stabbing myself every day. Like it was just too much. (laughs) So why did they recommend Bailey that you froze your eggs just in case you change your mind about having kids in the future? Yeah, because the chemo is basically going to destroy my insides. Like, I actually was super upset about it. Like, it was a really hard decision to make mentally because I was like, I'm 24. Like, I don't want kids right now in my life. And, like, this is a really big decision that I have to make. Like, do I want to do this or do I not want to do this? So I called one of my friend's moms and I was crying. And she was like, look, it's better that you have them and not use them than to not have them at all in case you change your mind down the road. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. So I went ahead and did it. I'm glad I did it. I have that option. But again, like it was the worst experience of my life. Like did, were there any um, financial costs to freeze your Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It cost me (gasps) $8,000 just for the drugs including the $500 a year fee to freeze my eggs. And was any of that covered by our government? Well, so because I got laid off before this whole coronavirus thing due to lack of work, I went into our service Canada here in North Bay and they were like, oh, you, you can go on medical EI because of your condition. So like I have been like, I'm, I'm getting paid, which is nice, but like, with my work they had said oh like we'll extend your benefits for six months perfect like i'm gonna need drug coverage for the next however many months i submitted four thousand of the eight thousand and i got thirty three hundred back 
And then after I had sent the second round of payments, the other like 3,500 or whatever it was, I got an email from my work saying, we didn't put your credit card through, like we can't honor your benefits being extended, sorry. And I was like, are you freaking joking me? Wow, that's honestly so brutal. So not only do you have cancer, but now your benefits aren't covering your payments for IVF, which you only have to do because you're a woman. But honestly, like if a man had this exact diagnosis, he would not be experiencing or incurring the same cost. At the end of the day, they give a guy a cup. And they just come in it. do their thing. And it's so much more difficult for us. And then all the stuff that we have to go through. Hormones and everything. It's not even comparable. I just wish every man could experience their period for one month. One time. Just once. PMS and all actually been getting hot flashes since I started chemo which is super strange they told me like during chemo I wouldn't even have a period and then after all of this it's gonna send me into menopause at 25 years old (laughs) that is literally crazy that the chemo has had that much of an effect on your hormones during this whole process so have you had any positive updates I actually had a call with my doctor the other day, like my oncologist, Mm -hmm. and I got to give him the good news that that huge lump I was telling you about earlier is gone. So I have to do 12 chemos. After every four, I do a PET scan. And he said after my first PET scan, depending on how well my body's responding to the chemo, which is clearly very well, that they'll drop one of my four medications when I go to chemo. So that's really exciting because the one medication that they'll be dropping is probably the the most toxic of them all. Like it, it affects your lungs in a really negative way and it can cause lung toxicity and that's... Great timing. Yeah, like, considering the current like pandemic of the world is a respiratory disease. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> me and my one white blood cell are trying to fight corona. So if I had to describe my cancer plus corona experience, it is some days are better than others, like mentally. Last yeah. week I had two days in a row where like I was so down in the dumps, sad, like because the world is just so heavy right now. Plus, I have cancer. Like, what the F? It's just, it's a lot to take on as one person. Because, again, I can't leave my house at all. Like, even on the days that I feel like a million bucks. Like, the week that I don't have chemo. So, my chemos are every other Tuesday. The week that I don't have chemo, I feel better than I have in a long time. Like, I want to go out and do stuff. And it's hard that, like, I can't because I have to fear for my life. On the other hand, I know this sounds so selfish, but it's nice knowing that everyone else is at home, too. Because if I had to watch, like, my coworkers move on and keep flying and get new jobs, people traveling and stuff, like, I have such bad FOMO. It's hard to see everyone like being happy and moving on in their life and you're just here with cancer and out of job and a toxic vagina. Yeah. I feel like a toxic vagina is actually a superpower, so let's be real. (laughs) I also, now, because now I'm thinking about like hormones, isolation, all the good stuff. How, have you gotten your period at all, Bailey? Or like what have your, what's your cycle been like? Oh my God. So... (laughs) Well, like I said, so pre-IUD, my 
period was god awful and my gynecologist actually came up with the theory that we think that I had endometriosis so I tried an IUD and which IUD did you go on? Morena. Morena, okay. And it saved my life. I haven't had a period since April. Yeah, it cured my cramps like I haven't had a cramp, a period, nothing since April. Wonder when I got my first period again? Oh, come on. The shit of my first chemo. Like, I had to get up at 6 in the morning to drive to Sudbury to go for my chemo appointment. I went to the bathroom, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Wow. I was so mad, but I haven't had one since. But it's only been a month, so we'll see. It could be coming. <laughs> but they, my doctor did say, like, when I start chemo, like, I won't get a period, so. So have you been tracking at all? Like, when was the last time you had your period? Are you due for one soon, or...? I don't track it, because it's... My whole life, it's just been so all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when I got my IUD, I didn't have one at all, so I was like, woohoo! But I could tell when I, like, when I was supposed to have it, because I'd break out on the right side of my face, and mostly, like, my chin area. So, and then, like I said, I got my period the day of my first chemo. So when you're done chemo, and I know that you said that the doctor said you're going to go through menopause technically, will you ever get a period again? Um, I know some people, like I said, who've gone through lymphoma and they have. I know people who've even gotten pregnant after. Yeah, it's super dependent on your body. Like, even like with in regards to hair loss, like some people, they do, they, they lose all their hair. And like I said, my friend's husband, apparently he only lost his leg hair. So that's, I'm fine with that. What? Be <laughs> like free laser. You lost any of your hair yet? Oh, uh, it's been falling out like crazy. That's another reason why I was so upset last week. Like Aww. it was just one more thing to add to the pile of bullshit. Like I blink and it's everywhere. Like I've never seen this much hair in my life. So it's kind of scary, to be honest. However, the last couple days have been okay. Like, it hasn't been falling out that bad. I'm going to wait until I am, like, visibly balding before I take (laughs) freaking razor to my head. Okay, I have a question for you. Have you um, gone on Tinder at all? First of all, I refuse to use Tinder up north because... If you if you came up here and used your Tinder, you'd understand why. The boys <laughs> are just not my type. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, like, another thing is, like, I live at home. And if this pandemic wasn't going on, like, I'm not trying to go out. And I don't want anyone here. So, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's just literally out to fuck with the fuck boys. Yeah. I'm trying to burn your dick off. So. <laughs> you here for it or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to bring anyone into this except for like the people that are already a part of my life okay so i'm being really cynical by like joking about it right now no not at all because like so am i like i just i wouldn't want to do that just because i hate men i think they're all (laughs) stupid but like it's not something i want to bring someone into right now i have enough to worry about i don't want to have to worry about a man too totally i also feel like you wouldn't want to start a relationship potentially out of pity. Wait, sorry. What man wants to start a relationship? Okay. I'd like to know. Bold <laughs> of you to assume. <laughs> Literally. I like, they're probably going to ghost her before she even gets to the cancer card. <laughs> Literally. It's been a good day, folks. <laughs> Has someone broken your heart? Like, tell us. <laughs> no soul, Sam. <laughs> But have you found, though, Bailey, like, has your sex drive come back at all? Or have you just been, like, like too focused on everything else? It's definitely back. 
So I found one of your vibrators here. Are you missing that or do you have like multiple <laughs> of them? I think you're a liar because I literally lost mine. Okay, I found it. It's it's here. Are you sure? 100%. It what does in, it look like? It was in with your hats and stuff in the closet. Is it pink? I think so. I thought I lost that in my dad's truck to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have been a fun find. Better that I found it then. So then I guess you're not using one of those right now. Sure not. Nope. <laughs> Okay, well, we might have a new one for you. Do you follow Bird's Papaya? Um, I just found her Instagram the other day. Okay, now, Sarah Nicole, Bird's Papaya, this is the second time I've mentioned you on our podcast. Shout out, shout out, shout out. Um, she posted a vibrator the other day, and Liv ordered two, one for each of us, and then we just also ordered one for Dev for her birthday. Happy birthday, Dev! <laughs> Literally, we're filming this on your birthday. We uh, like it. We'll shoot you one up to North Bay, and we can do a review. You know can you leave it for, like, a yay you completed treatment present? Because, like, I don't want a vibrator in my house. My family is so, noise- like, nosy. I will say... I showed it to my boyfriend and it doesn't really look like a vibrator. He's like, what is that? It's huge. It's really different. It's not your typical little like vibrator. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it looks like a poor vacuum. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that you feel like people should know? Listen to your body. <laughs> yes. If something is wrong, it's probably wrong. Like, mm. uh, actually, back in J- last January, I was living in Montreal, and it was a really crappy winter. It was so cold and dry, and all of a sudden, my legs started getting really itchy, and I didn't think much of it, but I went balls to the walls. Like, I was using lotion every day, like, making sure they were, like, not dry, I changed all of my detergents and everything, like, just to make sure that it wasn't me doing something, but it just kept, like, moving up my body and getting worse, so when I went to see my doctor in July, I had mentioned the itching as well, Um, another side effect, or, like, a symptom, Symptom. Symptom, yep, um, is night sweats, um, which was really hard because mine and Sam's apartment is... 80 degrees at all times can confirm I can confirm this it's so hot it's so hot so I don't know if I was having night sweats from the fact that our apartment is hotter than the hubs of hell or (laughs) (laughs) so those are the only two uh, symptoms that I experienced but what like my one friend who had lymphoma as well she said that like she lost an unexplainable amount of weight in a really short amount of time which Uh. I low-key wish happened to me but like it didn't (laughs) And now that I, like, am going through chemo and stuff, they're, like, crazy about my weight. Like, my mom weighs me every day. And then I have to go for a weigh-in the day before I do my treatment. So every other Monday, I have to go to the hospital just for them to weigh me. Why is that? Are they worried because your appetite drops? Yeah, my appetite is so, so shitty. Like, I survive off of mashed potatoes and soup. So have you had weird cravings at all? I wish like I ordered sushi for the first time since I moved from Toronto six weeks ago like I've not had sushi in six weeks and I eat it like once or twice a week when I'm feeling okay but I ordered sushi last night I couldn't do it man however the best piece of advice that I have received so far in terms of my eating is eat whatever the fuck you want because it is a miracle on days that you can either a keep something down or b like if you're craving something like just eat it so have you been really nauseous um on your good weeks too or is that just after your treatments so my first treatment 
was super bad. I was hospitalized for two days because I literally could not keep even ice chips down. Like it was so brutal. I was hot. Yeah. So I was in the hospital for two days and then I was pretty nauseous for another three days after that. Usually day like five or six, I feel I'm that's when I notice like I'm feeling better. But my off weeks, yeah, I feel like a million bucks. And then the last chemo I did, uh, my second one, no throwing up this time, thank God. It was just, I was really, really tired and weak. Like, I only left my bed to go to the bathroom, and that was, like, three days in a row. So usually by day three or four, like, I'm feeling a little normal. Do they give you medication that helps? Is there, like, a remedy that helps with the nausea, or is it just, like... Girl, out. so many drugs like I could kill a horse <laughs> <laughs> seriously on top of all of the chemo meds I have so I have to take pre and post chemo meds honestly the names of them are like 27 letters long so I'm not even gonna try to pronounce them but I have three or four that I take pre-chemo one two three that I take post-chemo and one of those three medications I take for three days after uh, and are they all like anti-nausea or like a uh, one up of gravel is anti-psychotic oh because what it does is it's a super low dose obviously but i don't like taking it just knowing that it's an anti-psychotic and actually one of the other drugs works better for me anyways so i don't take this one but um the nausea is a trigger like in your brain like a receptor or something and this like stops the reception of you being nauseous like getting into your system you know what I mean does that make sense so it's literally a mind over matter thing pretty much interesting that is crazy so this drug like stops your brain from being like hey I'm nauseous okay Bailey I have another question when you noticed the lump on your neck, was it still small at that point? Were you like, oh shit, have I not noticed this? Like, do you think it grew in a day, a month? Like, Hello. like I got back, I got back from work and I knew I was going to Ottawa the next day. And I just, I went to bed, I woke up and like, I just, I found it. And I was like, where the F did this come from? Like, it honestly just popped out of nowhere. And how big was it at that point? Huge. Like a grape? No, no, like the size of like almost an egg. It like just popped out of nowhere and it was huge. Yeah, honestly, I, I was like, maybe it's just a kink. Maybe I slept weird, but it didn't hurt. Like it was weird. And even like my doctor was like touching it and feeling it and poking at it. And she was like, it's weird because it's like half hard, but it's kind of soft. Like it was so strange, but it didn't hurt to touch. If I wasn't touching it, I wouldn't know it was there. And then the one that I had removed from my armpit, he said that that one was the size of a golf ball. But I feel like there's some spots in your body, like you said, like you have some down near your pelvis and your abdomen that obviously you can't see. And even in your armpit, like I feel like that's a space where like, it's not like I'm pushing in my armpits all the time to see if I have lumps and bumps. Funny because like I never did that. Like I, and someone yeah, asked me, I think either. my mom was like, well, have you checked your armpits? And then I felt the, like, finally, once I had my first scan, and they were like, yeah, you have some in your, like, armpit area, that's when I, like, checked, and I was like, oh, holy shit, I do. I didn't notice it until, like, the 11th hour, when they were like, all right, you're going for surgery, like. So noted that someone needs to be teaching women how to check their breasts and armpits more. Yeah, like, yeah. can you do a PSA, Bailey? Like, what should you be looking for, feeling for? What does it feel like? You'll know. It's literally just a lump. Like, maybe hard. Mine was on my neck. Like, it was literally bulging out of my neck. Let's say you feel something. Can you move the lump around? Yeah, like, it would have... 
if I pushed on it, it wouldn't like go behind my neck or anything, but like <laughs> it would, it had give to it for sure. Um, and like I said, the itching, the night sweats, unexplained weight loss. Oh, I had a question. Are you itchy still? Nope. So I almost wonder if your body was warning you in phases, hey? Like it started with the itching then the night sweats, and then the lump. Yeah, so it's been quite a year, and it's only March. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck's going on? Seriously. 2020 is a fucking trap, let me tell ya. I really can't afford to have lung toxicity right now between corona (laughs) and the fact that I survive off of marijuana products. It's the only thing that helps me eat, for the most part. It has definitely helped. Oh yeah. Especially for patients going through chemo. It's like, okay, how do I get my appetite up? But like one of the other things that my doctors had mentioned on my when I first got my diagnosis and I asked, what are your thoughts on me smoking weed? And they were like, we don't care. However, like the chemo will affect your lungs. So you just have to be really careful. We'd prefer you eat it. It's a whole new world. That's for sure. It's actually really complicated with all of the doctors and the doctor's appointments and the drugs and all of the stuff that I have to like make sure is organized like thank god for my mom honestly like yeah shout out to moms yeah like we have a I have like this little cancer box like I don't know what else to call it but and we keep all of my prescriptions we keep like a notebook and my mom jots down my weight my temperature what I eat in the day like we keep track of everything like I said, I'm so open and about my experience because if it can help one person or make them feel confident to tell their story, like, giddy up. Lymphoma is most common in people 18 to 24. I'm at the end of 24 here, so. Yeah. And I feel like that's also the age where you feel the most invincible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, I had everything going for me when I was diagnosed. Like I had a great apartment with one of my best friends. I finally got the my dream job after busting my ass for two years. I had so much going for me. And then all of a sudden, like, I feel like my whole life was just ripped away from me. I, can't, I literally cannot leave my house. Literally, I get stoned and I'll be like, what the fuck is going on? Literally, <laughs> Life is short. Eat the cake, buy the shoes. Yes. Kill your ex-boyfriend. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Just do it. Literally a man. So has there been anything that's really helped you through these tough times? I find like trip planning has been helping me get through this because yeah. it gives me something to do during the day. And like I'm discovering new places that I would have never even thought about. So I don't know. I kind of want to take off on like a six month adventure and just travel. So we'll see. But I do, I really, really, really want to throw like a big party for like all my friends and my family and everyone who's like supported me. So I'm thinking about throwing a little, and by a little, I mean, it's going to be huge. I want to go balls to the walls. Love that. Like life is too short, man. Cool. Well, thank you so much for talking with us and being on. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this. Seriously, this is amazing. You are literally a rock star. I've missed the dynamic duo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't you worry, because we are back full swing. Except for now, our time today is over, and you'll have to tune in next week. Thank you, ladies, so much for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at Simply Left Femme.